Welcome to the 456th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Allison Wisdom, author of the debut novel, We Can Only Save Ourselves. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Allison Wisdom. Allison's debut novel is We Can Only Save Ourselves. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. If someone listening hasn't heard yet about your new debut novel, We Can Only Save Ourselves, how would you describe the novel? When my agent and I were coming up with ways to pitch it, we decided that it was The Girls Meets the Virgin Suicides, and it follows a girl named Alice Lang. She is your perfect all-around golden girl, teenage teenager, and she lives in this perfect neighborhood. But then one day she meets this charming and mysterious man and she decides to chuck it all and follow him across the state where he lives with, she discovers several other girls like herself and things just escalate from there. But meanwhile, her mother and the other mothers uh, and her neighborhood she left behind are grieving her loss, wondering what happened to her and also resenting the terror she made in their perfect world and, and leaving them to wonder if things were ever really as perfect as they thought they were. Do you remember the original impetus or idea that led you to write We Can Only Save Ourselves? Yeah, so I've always been really interested in cults. And so I knew I wanted to write about cults for a novel. And I actually started writing a novel that my vision was three different storylines. Each one was going to be about a different woman and a different cult. And my idea was that I was going to weave them together and create basically a masterpiece. <laughs> and <laughs> after I did that, I realized it just did not work. But Alice was one of those women, one of the young women that I was writing about. And um, I was having so much fun with her character and with the mothers who narrate the story that I decided that I would just um, focus all in on her. But how I got to Alice was as I was researching different cults, I was reading about the Manson family, and I came across this assertion that a historian made that the Tate and LaBianca murders marked the end of the 60s, not just as an era, but as an ideology, bringing about this sense that, oh, there's danger really everywhere and, and scary places that are unfamiliar or overseas where the Vietnam War was being waged, but literally just in your backyard, on your doorstep. And so I was thinking about Alice leaving her neighborhood as a microcosm for that sense of security and control giving. What is it about cults that fascinates you? I think it's there's a bunch of things, but <laughs> one of them is the idea like, getting a sneak peek into a world that is like your own, but with all different kinds of rules <laughs> and like different expectations, just interest in what other people are doing. Um, but also the kind of scariness of the group think and uh, how it's, you read about people and you're like, Oh my gosh, I could never join this something like this or get sucked into this. But when you are reading about the people who do find themselves in a cult, it's, they are pretty regular people. Some of them have some different things happening um, in their lives that might be different than yours. But for the most part, they've got the same kind of <laughs> human needs and wants that you have. And that's what makes cults, I think, speak to people that you think it's not going to be you, but 
it could be a slightly different version of you. Yeah, sure. So you mentioned that you had worked on this novel prior to We Can Only Save Ourselves. I'm curious, what was your writing journey before that? When did you first get interested in writing fiction and what led you to trying to write a novel? I, I've always been a huge reader. I Books have been like my life for as long as I can remember. And I thought, wow, there would be nothing better than being the person who writes the books. But it it's scary and there's a lot of risk involved and you don't know if you're going to be good at it and, or people are going to like what you're doing. And so I was really afraid to actually try to truly write until my husband was like, you know what? You should just try. I was teaching high school English at the time. We'd been married for a few years and I had, we'd lived off my salary when he was in grad school. So he was like, okay, it's your turn. So I think you should just try it. So I quit my teaching job. I started just doing private tutoring and I really decided I would just try and see. I I tried to learn as much as I could on my own. I was writing all the time. And then I went to get my MFA and I only wanted to write short stories. I love short stories. They seemed much more manageable to me (laughs) than a novel. (laughs) And my advisor was like, you know what? You should just try to write a novel. And I was like, no, I'm okay. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. But then as I was like querying agents with my story collection, they were like, ah, you like your collection. We think you're really talented, but we really would prefer for you to have a novel. And so I was like, okay, I should just suck it up and try. And it was actually really fun. And I, I, and now I, I, I legitimately have enjoyed, I loved writing. We can only save ourselves. I'm excited about writing more novels in the future. I still love short stories, but I feel like my world has expanded by learning to love writing long things. And so what was your MFA experience like? I went to a low residency MFA. I went to Vermont College of Fine Arts. I knew that I was at a place in my life where I wanted to have a baby. And I was like, I don't know how I would do it if I was going in and out from class all day long. It seemed... And of course, you don't know what it's like to have a child until you actually have one. I probably <laughs> could have, maybe it would have been easier, but I was like, I think it'd be easier if I just went somewhere for two weeks at a time and, and then came home and it did, it worked out. It worked out really well. I loved my MFA program. I made some really great friends. And one of the best things my MFA gave me was the kind of confidence to call myself a writer. Like I'm doing this for real. I am taking it seriously. I can go ahead and accept this, that I am, I'm a writer and I'm not just someone who's dabbling in it, but this is a part of who I am. And I was in in Vermont and Vermont's just beautiful. And I live in Houston, Texas, and it was just delightful. Two weeks out of the year, you know, summer in Vermont and I even, you know, went when it was freezing cold and I was like, this is just not for me, but <laughs> the yeah. summers are great. I'm about 30 minutes from Vermont. So it, oh, it's, really? it's a great state. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's so beautiful. It is. So are you still writing short stories or are you, have you made the shift to just novels now? I'm still writing short stories. I hadn't written the short story in so long. And then when I, I finished my, we can only save ourselves. Then I finished my second novel that I was working on and I was like, okay, I've got, I don't know what's happening next. I need to be working on something. And so I'm going to go back to writing short stories. And I was worried it was going to be like, oh no, I've completely forgotten how to do it. But it was a little bit like riding a bike. And so I have been writing a few more short stories lately and just having a lot of fun. 
I have one coming out in Catapult before the launch of my novel. So that's very exciting. And yeah, it, you know, it's, it's really nice after working on something for a long time to write something that's 15 pages and that story is wrapped up and done. <laughs> it's really it's nice. It's good to be do both things. Sure. Are there writers or novels that inspired you on your own writing journal journey as you were working on We Can Only Save Ourselves? Let's see. So I knew as I was writing that it was going to be that it was going to be compared to the girls. So I, which I loved, I thought the girls was wonderful, but I avoided reading it for a long time because I was like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just trying to rip Emma Klein off, but I, we were writing about similar things and same with the version suicides, which I read many years ago as a much younger writer. And, but I did keep the version suicides in my mind as far as like, a similar tone. I loved what he was doing with the nostalgia, but also the a reckoning of what what young life is like and the good and the bad of that. So definitely that was an inspirational book for me. Um, when I first read it as a writer, it lodged in my head <laughs> for years and then became a book I could be in conversation with as I was writing my novel, which was to me felt very special. Sure. You mentioned that you have written a second novel. Have you started thinking about a third one at this point? Yeah, I mentioned that I had started out writing a novel with three different storylines and, you know, who buddy, it did not work out putting them together. But I decided I, I did want to pull them apart and make them give them each their own novel. And I hoped that it would create its own sort of thematic trio, not really a trilogy as much, but a set of books that you could read together. And it would, I think, enhance your the experience. But if you left them and just read them individually, that it would still be an enjoyable experience. So my second novel is also came from that project. So about a woman in a cult, and then I have one more at my sleeve, and then I will move on from cult. But yeah, the third one, tentatively where I'm going with it is a haunted house, but a haunted commune, a gothic -y sort of feel about a commune, basically a utopian commune. That's great. I'm curious about your writing process when you were working on We Can Only Save Ourselves. Uh, do you outline extensively when you're writing or are you more of an organic writer to see where the story goes as you're working on it? It's a little bit of both. I've never been somebody who's a big outliner, but I do have, I, I have two little kids, a little girl who's about to be six and then a, a boy who's two. And rarely at my computer <laughs> during the day, but I do have my phone nearby. So what I would do is I would keep in my notes section scenes or images or things I wanted to include. And so as I was working on We Can Only Save Ourselves, I would look at my notes section on my phone and see, okay, what, is, what do I have coming next? What was the thing that I wanted? And I would want to make sure I hit that plot point, but it's, it's very loose. And the, the outline or the notes I make in my phone are really just like a few words. <laughs> so sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, oh, this obviously made sense to me at the time I wrote this down, but who knows what I meant. So yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's what it has to be with being a stay-at-home mom with my kids. Sure. You just kind of... American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code STAPLE20. 
With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Make do. So what is your riding? Do you ride at night when the kids are asleep? I don't. I My brain feels like mush <laughs> by the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, even sure. though it's not... Um, I'm not doing like serious deep thinking during the day. It's, it requires so much attention and every putting out little fires all day long. (laughs) And I just feel, I just like feel brain dead when it comes time to end of the day. So this last year, obviously things have been crazy. Like my daughter was starting kindergarten and I was like, Oh my gosh, I am finally going to have some time to like actually work. And then of course, COVID happened and <laughs> she was, was not in kindergarten. Yeah. And then my son was also supposed to start preschool. And I was like, wow, I'll, I will have for sure two mornings a week. She'll be in kindergarten. <laughs> He'll be in preschool. That has also not happened. It was actually supposed to happen this week. Yesterday and today, my son was going to preschool and my daughter is going to be in kindergarten in person. And then she came down with an eye infection. So she's, been, oh, no. <laughs> so she's been at home for the last three days. And I was like, oh, so close. So I usually just write on the weekends. My husband will take over or sometimes my in-laws come over and they'll babysit and I'll take off and I'll go work for a few hours at a time. But it really is just the perimeter of the day, finding wherever whatever time I can get. And a lot of the times it's just on the weekends, but... I've been having to remind myself I wrote a whole book that way with neither of my kids in school. I got it done before. (laughs) I can do it again no matter how painful it is. So, yeah, it's just make it work (laughs) as you go. Given your own writing experience thus far, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I can give is read everything, read widely, read things that you don't think that you are interested in writing. And of course, read writers who you are, you think that, like I said, your books or your stories could be in conversation with, but also the ones that you think you have nothing to do with. It's just, you learn so much by reading. And by the time I actually sat down to write a story, of course, I didn't really know what I was doing. But I felt like I did better because I had read so much from the time I was a little girl. And it's such a good teacher if you're paying attention to it. And the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that for me was finding a writing group. Other people uh, who are at the same stage in their writing journey as you. And every week we would read a published story together and take it apart and see what the writer was doing. And then we would trade our own work. And it was so beneficial to me to read both the published stories and the stories by aspiring writers. So helpful to my own work to read both things. And also, it's just great to have people to commiserate with uh, because writing is hard and it's lonely and you are setting yourself up for just constant rejection. (laughs) And so it's nice to have some uh, other people to be in that same place as you. Definitely look for local writing workshops. 
I found workshop to be a very helpful thing. I know there's, you know, a lot of uh, discourse about how helpful workshop is. And I think it just is going to differ from person to person. One of the, it's not really an upside, but one of the nice things that has happened in 2020 was everything is online. So this is actually a great time to um, find a community online, a writing workshop online or a class and just something like I said, MFA experience gave me was the comp, it gave me the confidence to believe in myself and call myself a writer. And I think finding some kind of class or workshop that builds that up for you is it's a gift. Sure. You mentioned reading. What novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Okay, let's see. I just finished The Push by Ashley Audrain. And have you read that? I have not yet. yet. Oh my gosh, it is brutal in a really good way. It is, it was for me as a parent excruciating. It's about a woman who becomes the mother for the first time and she does not bond with the baby and she's convinced that the baby is, that the little girl she's raising, there's something not quite right about her. And it is, just the depictions of early motherhood were some of the best <laughs> things I've ever read about the process of becoming a parent. But I would give a lot of warnings that I can handle a lot of dark things. And that book, I was like, gosh, I think I might have found a book that was actually too dark for me. <laughs> but it is, <laughs> it's fantastic. Also, books that are upcoming The Upstairs House by Julia Fine is coming out also in February. And it is speaking of the dark side of motherhood. It's another book that explores that and it's really brilliant. So, those are two of my favorite books that I've read recently. But yeah, there's just so many good books coming out in yeah, 2021. Great. Yes. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novel? Yeah, come find me. I'm on Instagram at Allison Wisdom. I have a special We Can Only Save Ourselves Instagram where I, I post things that are specifically related to the book, but also behind the scenes look at the characters of We Can Only Save Ourselves and a few like fun book related things. And that is at We Can Only Save Ourselves. I'm also on Twitter at Allison L. Wisdom. And yeah, you can uh, find my email if you need to on my website. And yeah, that's where you can find me online. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Allison Wisdom, author of the debut novel, We Can Only Save Ourselves. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Allison, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt of the audiobook of We Can Only Save Ourselves by Allison Wisdom, performed by Jesse Valinsky, available from Harper Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold. We all saw the man in our neighborhood on the same day. But there are always men in our neighborhood, and their relatives or fathers of playdates or old college roommates, still bachelors, their beards and clothes and cars out of place, among our clean-shaven husbands and their practical automobiles, their sharply cut suits. We always notice the outsiders, but we are rarely alarmed. This is not the kind of neighborhood where we need to be. Even as he drew nearer, passing in front of our houses, his presence registered, but that's all. Those of us inclined to take more careful note of outsiders did. Those of us who are not, did not. 
Mrs. McIntyre, for one, always notes the kind of shoes people wear. It's a cautionary measure, she says, in case somewhere down the line the police need as many details as possible. This particular man wore boots. The color, brown, faded under a layer of dust or dirt. Toes, pointed, rise unknown. They were hidden beneath his jeans, the legs of which were stovepipe straight. Mrs. McIntyre almost forgot to notice the shoes entirely, though, because as he passed her on the sidewalk, her dog, Sweetie, did not bark. Sweetie has barked at all of us, even though we've known her since she was a young pup, turning herself in circles in the front yard and nipping at the calves of all who passed the McIntyre's threshold. But this man walked right past the pair of them, woman and dog, and Sweetie was still. She always barks, Mrs. McIntyre found herself telling the man as he went by, then reminded herself to look at his shoes. He didn't slow down, but he smiled at her, then said over his shoulder, animals always like me. His voice was deep and pleasant, soft and somehow pliable, the way she imagined the leather of his boots would feel. Across his chest was a brown leather strap attached to a small bag, almost, Mrs. McIntyre thought, like a lady's purse. But it didn't seem out of place. He wore it the same way a person wears his arms, his legs, the hair on his head. Naturally, organically. She didn't watch him as he moved down the sidewalk. But only a moment later, Sweetie barked, and Mrs. McIntyre looked over her shoulder and the street was empty. On another street, a few turns away from where Mrs. McIntyre strolled with Sweetie, a group of children playing soccer saw the man too, but barely noticed him. Those who did saw an adult, expecting him to tell them to get out of the street, to watch for cars, to go in and wash up for dinner. Billy Morris squinted up at the sky. It had been cloudy all day, and it had barely changed color from hour to hour but the sun had begun to set, and the bearded man would have been right if he had told them it was time to go home. But he didn't. Christine Pittman kicked the ball in his direction, hoping, what, that he would come play? That he would speak to her? But it hit the curb and rolled back to her. Nice one, Billy Morris said. The man kept walking. April Morris, Billy's mother, was on the phone with her neighbor across the street, watching the kids outside through the window above the kitchen sink. Her fingers wrapped up in the curls and loops of the phone cord. She leaned back to see the time on the stove. I'm going to have to go in a sec, she said. I've got to get Billy back inside and into fresh clothes before Eric gets home. Has Tim gotten horribly smelly lately too? It's too awful. Bev said on the other end of the line. It's ungodly. I can't even talk about it. Why can't they all be girls? April laughed. She turned and leaned against the sink, her back to the window. You know why, she said suggestively. Bev was seven months pregnant. April waited for her friend to respond. Bev has a quick wit, though sometimes too much so. But she didn't say anything. Bev, April said. 
Sorry, Bev said. I got distracted. Some guy just walked past the kids, and it looked like Christine Pittman was going to kick a ball at his head. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.